Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM's Breakfast Show. Today, it's Mun and Lawson for you. Thank you, Lyle, for doing that uh, interview. Uh, was one that he recorded just before mm-hmm. he went down to Melbourne earlier this week uh, with uh, Barry Harker. Very interesting. We're going to have uh, part three tomorrow and then I think the final part, part four, on Monday. So stay tuned if you want to hear the rest of that really fascinating interview. Uh, Lawson, I would love to continue giving you a quiz um, quiz clue, but it's been snapped up. Yes, Congratulations again to Brenda from South Australia who has won uh, answering correctly with the answer of goat. And she, of course, picked up that hardcover blue Bible with the two study guides. It was a really big prize. We do those once every three months. We give away a triple triple prize. Like Tri- triple prize. Yeah, triple pack. Triple good stuff. Uh, we are about to launch into our encounter with God. Are continuing with our study in Revelation, which we're all very excited about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yesterday was a great one. Man, amazing. A banger, as you would say, ba- Lawson. Ba- straight up. As you younguns say. Straight up banger. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been really enjoying studying through the book of Revelation because I'll be honest, like, it, it's a very intimidating book, I think. Yeah. You know, it's something that, you know, you can jump into the book of Matthew or, or John or or one of the, the epistles pretty easily with very low knowledge and just, you know, mm-hmm. from a baseline perspective, understand what's going on in the narrative of the story, you know, some of the principles that Jesus is trying to teach. Whereas the book of Revelation is basically a book that completely refers back to past events to describe what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, not 100% of the time. Um, but yeah, in a, in a lot of ways, as we've been seeing in this introduction here to the book of Revelation in chapter one, like all the references back, like how, how we understand what's actually going on here is because of, oh, we know that as we talked about yesterday, Jesus is the high priest. Well, that's because of where he's, what he's wearing and where he's standing. And we mm-hmm. know that because of, um, you know, the, the sanctuary and the priests and what they wear. And it's just like, it's just, it's wild and it's crazy, but I think, and this is, I said this yesterday, but I'll say it again. It's one of the most relevant books to our time. This is yeah. Yesterday was crazy study. Funny, you know, Jesus was a high priest, you know, mm. and he, what he does, he works, you know, he, he does the role of the high priest in our life. He mm. works, you know, as an intercessor, mm. as judge and jury and, and, and the merciful, just the mercifulness of us. Uh, just, yeah, it's beautiful study. I think that's like one of the most amazing and compelling things about salvation is that, you know, we're not dealing with a God who's just like, oh, if you make it, sweet. But if you don't make it, well, you know, too bad. You know, uh, the Bible says that God is not willing that any perish, but all that should That's come right. to repentance. And, uh, you know, for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the, you know, heavenly host of angels and, you know, God is using every single resource um, for people to be saved. And this is one of the aspects of his character in particular that Jesus came to earth to to clarify because the devil just it's one of his favorite lies it's trying to convince us that god is this horrible you know thunderbolt lightning very very frightening kind of god you know and um just is looking out for a way to to keep you out of heaven and to zap you on the head and strike you dead kind yeah. of thing and that's just a terrible completely inaccurate view of god's character and that's you know it's one of the big reasons why jesus came down here to sort of make clear that he's in the business of trying to get people into heaven as much as possible. 100%. And, that, that, you know, in fact, Satan's charges were, Satan's two main charges were that God's law was unjust and no one could keep it, but then also that God couldn't forgive anyone that kept it. Mm. Uh, that, sorry, that broke the law. Um, and, you know, through the actions of Jesus Christ, perfectly keeping the law, um, 
and then dying, you know, the unjust death of the cross, um, God just proves once and for all, like, hey, yes, you know, um, people, we can keep the law, and ultimately, um, I can forgive if you've broken the law. So I think, oh, man, it's just so incredible speculating about how much God loves and cares about us and how much he wants us to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I preached a sermon about that recently at church, about how God wants us. Um, you know, it's the, the want that God has for us and the desire that God has for us is matched for what God's willing to do to get us. And you look at the logistics of it, well, you know, Man was lost, so God was like, oh, I want to save them. And what what did that cost? Oh, well, I'll just sacrifice my own life in the worst possible way, even though I lived a perfect life to achieve that. This is, you know, this is salvation. And I think if you just lay the, you know, you just lay it out, it's like, man, how, how can I, how can I not come to the conclusion that, you know, God is good? Um, and I think that's one of the most amazing thing about the Bible. And that's why the Bible says, if, you know, the truth will set, you know, if you know, if you know the Bible, you know, the truth and the truth will set you free. Like, because once we understand the character of God, then we can actually make an informed decision about whether or not we want to follow God. That is very Whereas true. Whereas if we live in ignorance, then we're not free because we live a life that's just, you know, defined by, in fact, what we don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, loving the Bible, loving the Bible studies. But continuing right. on, we're jumping in here to the book of Revelation. And yesterday, um, as as we said, we talked about, we made those connections um, that Jesus is the high priest. But just getting back into it, John really sets the scene here in the book of Revelation. He, in, the, in these first, you know, couple of passages in chapter one, he... He, you know, we really know where John's at. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's in exile, and then he's received. Um, you know, he, he goes into vision, and, and when he goes into vision, he is then taken up, as we concluded yesterday, into the heavenly sanctuary, and he's there with Jesus. Um, and you know, so we so we sort of have like a a, um, a, a when and and a how and a, and a what, but. We're going to ask the question, and what we're going to be looking at today is why. Why is John receiving this vision? Why Why has, you know, God said, okay, no, I, I have this amazing thing that I need to tell John right now. Um, and we can we can look at that as we, as we read through the Bible and just read what Jesus says. Uh, you know, the thing about the Bible is that people can often get, you know, for, just from things they've heard, People can make the Bible sound like it's very ambiguous and it's very, you know, non-literal. And, oh, yeah, yeah the Bible's just full of some some principles, uh-huh. that, you know, uh, love one another and um, do good to one another and don't murder and kill. You know, yeah, the, the principle – I've heard many secular people say, oh, yeah, you know, I know what the Bible's about. You know, it's – They have no idea. You know, it, it's like giving a review for a movie you've never seen. Yeah, but it's You like, watch the trailer and you're like, yeah, I got this down. Yeah, 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 I know what this is. And because, you know, in fact, that's that's actually the perfect example. Is like you watch a trailer of a movie, it re- reveals very little about the narrative but more the theme. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, these are the themes of the movie. This is what, you know, and, and it's to, to appeal to its audience. Like, okay, the, you know, they'll have a little snippet of the, maybe there's a love story in the movie and they'll have a little snippet of that. And maybe, you know, there's lots of action in the movie and they'll have a little snippet of that without, you know, showing the people the actual narrative and spoiling the, the story and, you know, the, mm. the arc of the movie. But it, it, 
It's exactly the well. I shouldn't say, but I should say, and it is. It's exactly the same with the Bible. You know, people often have these ideas. You know, they've never read the Bible, but they say, "Oh, yeah, you know, I've been to church. I know what it's about. It's about love. It's a, you know, it's about caring. It's about being kind." It's like no, there is very literally a narrative happening in the Bible. There is a very important story that's going on here, um, and there are some very important and critical and specific messages in the Bible that, you know, we're not in the realm of ambiguity of, of, of love and, and care, but no, these things are going to come to pass. You know, th- this is, this is legit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's real. And I think it's so privileged that we have a God like that who wants us to know, you know, he gives us the Bible and he gives us the means and the ability and, uh, and the, the brain to be able to, to understand it. You know, the fact that, you know, we can say now with all the, historical evidence we have beyond a shadow of a doubt that the bible that we are reading is you know the the old testament is the same old testament that jesus quoted and the stories that are written in the you know the the gospels and the epistles and um the prophetic books of the the new testament again this is this is very you know we can be 100 percent sure that this is the same Bible, this is the same Jesus that they were writing about. And I think that that's, that's just amazing that God has preserved this book in a way that, you know, and he's written it in a way that man, we can just learn so much and be so ready for life and be so encouraged and, and but at the same time be be broken and, and put into our right um, place and, and state of mind and know like, oh, yeah, you know, God, God is good and I'm a sinner. And, and it's just... Honestly, like, I haven't heard many stories where people have committed time to reading the Bible and they haven't gotten anything out of it. Yes, yeah, true. Like, I, I've heard, but I've heard countless stories of people being like, yeah, I was an atheist, I started reading the Bible, and now I'm a Christian. Yeah, it always changes your life. Yeah, like, it changes it awesome. dramatically and for the better as well. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, we're continuing on with our study here, and so now let's just let's just jump into um, before you know chapter two of the book of Revelation. We get into the specific messages um, to these churches, but before that, Jesus gives a preface to that, and we're going to understand a little bit why these messages are given because of that preface. Monica, yes, um, if you could read, start reading verse 17 and read to verse 20 for me. Oh, Revelation of, 1? Revelation chapter 1. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Yeah. And keep going. Yeah, 19 and 20. Okay. Well. Thank you. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. All right. Ooh. So this is, this is such an interesting verse. Symbolism. Like, and we're, all, we're, we're already seeing the, you know, the explanation of the prevailing symbolism uh-huh. in the book of Revelation, a book, a book of extreme symbolism um but it's good that oftentimes in the midst of heavy symbolism god does give us um an explanation and he's like hey this lampstand 
represents, you know, seven churches and the stars represent the angels of the seven churches and, and whatnot. But I want to ask the question, um, and I think we're going to see, you know, very, very prominently in this text, the reason, the reason why Jesus is giving us this information, the reason why Jesus is making John write the book of Revelation for people to read. And the key to that um, is in verse 19. Before we get there, though, it's good to note, Jesus says in 17 and 18, he repeats this phrase of, you know, I am the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the one who lives and is to come. Jesus is really, you know, putting his foot forward here and saying, okay, this is Jesus talking, you know, I'm the first and last. I am God. I was like, you know, the, I am the great teacher. I Like he is on a, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, really driving the point home to John, like, this is Jesus. Mm. I am Jesus. I'm going to tell you some very important stuff. Um, and it's it's just good to see, I think. You know, it's Jesus being so straightforward here. He's just yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm here to tell you something important, and it's important because I'm saying it, and that's because I'm Jesus, and I'm the Son of God, and I'm the one who came down to earth. But this, I've got this very important message. Then we go to verse 19. And this is the real key here to understanding the reason why Jesus, you know, is wanting this to be written. He says, write the things which you have seen and the things which you are and the things which will take place after this. Jesus is is communicating to John that I have some things to tell you that have happened, that are happening, and that will happen. happened. Mm-hmm. And that gives us a bit of an insight to what the messages of the seven churches actually are and the, the application of that. Um, one of the big um, things that, that scholars have understood about these seven churches in Revelations is, is as much as Jesus is talking to historical churches that exist. You know, the Church of Smyrna and the Church of Philadelphia and the Church of Thyatira and Ephesus and all these places actually existed and they were real churches who needed this message. But there are also other applications um, to this text. It's not only, you know, things that, that, that have happened, but it's also things that are happening and things that will happen. Um, and we're going to talk about that and get into a little, into that a little bit right now. Um, the, the 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 triplet what would be the worst the triplet uh, the triple application yeah. of the 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 message that is given to these three churches the first one we want to talk about um, is very clearly and obviously the historical application of um, of these you know these messages I'm I'm going to read here I've got a little quote it says um, Those messages originally were sent to seven churches located in prosperous cities of first century Asia. The Christians were faced with serious challenges. Several cities set up emperor worship in the temples as a token to their loyalty to Rome. Emperor worship became compulsory. Citizens were also expected to participate in public events and pagan religious ceremonies. Because many Christians refused to participate in these practices, they faced trials and, at times, even martyrdom. Commissioned by Christ, John wrote the seven churches to help the believers deal with these challenges. It's incredible. So it's just, yeah, you know, John, and, th- and this again, this really shows that Jesus cares, man. Jesus mm. like is like, hey, you know, in, at the beginning of his, of 
you know, the, the, the Christian church is growing at this point. They've been around um, for a number of decades, but they're still in their growing phase. Um, you know, it would only be in the next 200 years that Christianity um, received much heavier the persecution than was happening to the time, but then grew to the point where one in 10 people in the Roman Empire were Christian. But at this time, you know, Christianity is just starting to blossom. Um, and, it, and, you know, it's now um, a multinational religion. You know, it's it's crossed it's crossed borders and it has, you know, churches in prominent cities. And Jesus is like, oh, man, you can imagine that kind of situation of of being a Christian church, you know, in, in you're living in a culture where everyone is religious and pagan, but, all you know, all the pagan gods are either set up to give homage to Rome or, you know, they're either individual to that nation or state. And you've got this religion crossing borders and, and God, you know, sees this and, and Jesus sees this and he's like, man, these guys need some help. I'm going to give them some advice, um, you know, because he wants them to prosper. You know, this is the foundation of of the church. And so it's just awesome to see God working in that way, like prophetically speaking mm. to these, to these people. And that's something that we often see amongst, you know, the movement of God's people that, that God really is, you know, there's often a prophet amongst that. When, once God's people have, have, have come to a place where they need guidance, you know, God will always have his prophet there. Um, so yeah, we see this historical application to the seven churches Next, um, and this is this is like you know one of the the biggest points of the Book of Revelation um, is the prophetic application of these seven churches. Now you got to imagine the seven churches. Well, you know, in fact, the, the entire Book of Revelation is set pretty much all of it in the future. Like Jesus and and the angels and God are constantly telling John about events that are going to happen in the future. And I think it would be odd for us to just like, for or for Jesus to just give this message of, of seven churches to just things that are happening in that time and then be like, okay, and now we move on to the rest of the book of Revelation. No, there's some actual his, uh, prophetic, sorry, application going on here. I've got another quote. It says, Revelation is a prophetic book, but only seven churches were chosen to receive its messages. This fact points to the prophetic character of the messages as well. The spiritual conditions in the seven churches coincide with the spiritual conditions of God's church in different historical periods. The seven messages are intended to provide, from heaven's perspective, a panoramic survey of the spiritual state of Christianity from the first century to the end of the world. This is, again, God is, is, is sharing here a message for a group of people. But it's transcending just, oh, you know, seven churches that existed in, in, in first century Roman Empire. It's like, no, this is actually has a prophetic application to it. And we're going to be definitely um, diving into what those prophetic applications actually are, you know, and, and, and putting these churches into a historical order and understanding, okay, well, what, what does this actually represent? Um, yeah, we're going to be getting into that hardcore because we're starting the book of Revelation. This is this is what we're all about. But yeah, it's it's good to see again. Jesus is like, hey, yeah, there is a prophetic application to this. You know, this isn't just in there as a redundant, non-canonical message to some churches who existed in the first century. No, this is prophetic. We're talking about the future here. This is pointing forward to something. Which I'd get, say there's like there's nothing in the Bible that's really redundant. Yeah, everything you can learn from hundred percent, but. I don't think I 
redundant was the wrong word. What I mean is is non-canonical. There are books that were omitted from the Bible because they talked about sure. a specific yeah. generation or mm-hmm. a specific time mm-hmm. period. Um, whereas this is no, this is talking about something that's going to happen us. in the future. This, this is for us everyone. now. But we're definitely going to continue talking about this after this next song. Just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sing for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds on the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have a life someday. It's about the
I wish they could all hear you sing, Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> Lawson always got to add his own little crescendo there. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do like nice little like harmonies and, yeah, and whatnot. You did a good job. You did a good job. Not bad. I wish I could record it. Dude. Well, hey, you know, I've, I've been thinking we should, we should hassle, we should hassle some, some of our production members. Try and get live music going in here. That'd be great. Wouldn't that be cool? I, I have actually... I remember one time you did a little rap about Haystacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you yeah. didn't realize the mic was recording. And so that I got the producer live. to cut that for me and send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. But continuing on with our study of the Book of Revelation, we've talked about two of the three applications of of these messages to the churches. We've talked about the historical application that these were literal churches in, in literal first century Roman Empire that literally needed these messages. We also talked about the prophetic application that these me- these messages also, also apply to um, the state of the church in, in different time periods, which we're going to be looking at as we study through more the... Um, you know, the, these seven churches and the messages that are given to them and, and understanding more and more. But finally, our, our final application is is the universal application of these messages. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, you know, as the whole Bible, um, you know, the, the whole canonical Bible is written to everyone, right? You know, it's every single book in the Bible, even though it talks about, you know, it might talk about events in specific places, if it's in the Bible, it's because it's canonical and it's because, okay, this, you know, has a message or a meaning or, or important information that impli- that applies to people today. Um, and I think it would be, it, 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 it would be a, a total misstep for us to say, okay, no, the, these messages to the seven churches, they're just, you know, to the seven specific churches and they're just prophetic no, these are also, you know, these are universal messages that very much ap- apply to the different states we can we can be in in our Christian walk. You know, some of uh, I've I've got a really nice modern K- New King James Bible, so all you know, different sections and passages have little parag- uh sorry, little little section headers, and you know, the the first one is called the the loveless church. Um, Doesn't that sound horrible? Yeah, the but, loveless. But, but it's but it's interesting because it talks about this church who you know their deeds and their works are good. They're they're doing work for God. They know their Bible. They're living the Christian life, but they're really struggling to 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 hold on and and maintain their first love and and you know the zealous um, that they had for the Bible. And then we see you know the message of the persecuted church, which is about a church who is just being bitterly persecuted. Um, but you know, is 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 maintaining their walk and and God loving that. We then see the compromising church, who is who is a church who you know uh, you know loves God but isn't abiding enough, you know, isn't close enough to their Bible, and they're letting things slip and they're letting things in that are false teachings um, <laughs> due to ignorance. And then we see the corrupt church, which is you know a group of people who are. You know, their their love and, you know, their faith, but they're they're letting things in where they're like straight up, they know that they're wrong. And, you know, then we see the dead church, which is the... the, the, (laughs) Sounds loveless, dead, dead wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the the dead church referring to a church that has just completely become numb, um, you know, and void to the gospel and they're just not doing anything. And then with a faithful church, which is, you know, a church who is doing everything that God wants them to do, that, that God really really loves what they're doing. Um, and then finally, the lukewarm church, um, who was a church that 
has elements of good and, and elements of bad, but are just ultimately they're, they're lukewarm. They're not in and they're not out. And this is actually the one that God has the harshest things to say about. He's like, hey, either be hot or cold. Don't be half in and don't be half out. Mm. The reason you know I go through all those titles is because all of these are applications that apply to to different churches that I've seen or different people that I've seen, different Christian journeys that I've seen today. You know, I, I, there, there are churches who are going through persecution who need this message. There are, there are churches who are struggling with, you know, the love, the love factor in their church. Yeah, they do lots of amazing and great work, but there isn't, you know, a real sense of community or love. There are corrupt churches, churches that are just straight up, you know, trying to represent Christ but doing the total wrong thing, you know, um, blatantly. Um, And definitely in our day and age in Australia, probably the most applicable one is the lukewarm church. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And, you know, and we're going to learn that this is also... But I feel like that's because we're so scared of being offensive. We don't don't really take a stand either way. 100%. I think it, it comes from this place of like... Oh, you know, like the world is is heading in a direction that's so far away from God, and I, I you know, I, I I need to be, you know, somewhat relatable and applicable. So I'm just going to half do the Christian thing that's and then it. half do the world thing. And there's a lot of different factors that go into that, yeah. um, you know, upbringing and religious understanding and experience and whatnot. But ultimately, you know, God gives us this message messages for a universal application that hey, these are messages that you can read, you can understand. Um, and you can apply to your life and become better for it. You know, just as we read, you know, one of Paul's epistles and he gives, you know, I, I love the book First Timothy. Um, it's, it's you know, constantly, it's, it's a book that's written from Paul to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor of multiple churches, basically encouraging Tim- Timothy, giving Timothy advice, leading Timothy um you know, mentoring him. And that's a book where, oh, we can read that book and know that we're going to receive some awesome, amazing advice that's going to affect us. But the book of Revelation here, these messages to the seven churches are very similar. Again, these messages just going through, oh, yeah, hey, you know, there are these applications um, to the churches, yes, prophetically, yes, historically, but also there are things that I want you to know, things that I want you to learn and and overcome. Um, And again, this just comes back to like, we're talking about this earlier, but like why God gives us prophecy and why God gives us advice in the Bible just in general. It's, it's to help us. Um, it's true. It's to, to assist those who are being saved, you know, and it's, it's just incredible that, that God cares enough, you know. You look at the foundation of a lot of, of pagan religions and, and how often it's, it's just so passive. It's like, oh, we, we worship a rock or we worship the moon or we worship the sun and you know, we worship them and, and they should give us good stuff. But, you know, if we worship them and we they give them bad, they give us bad stuff, well, maybe there was something we did wrong, but ultimately we just have to suffer the consequences. Whereas, no, God is a very real, very alive God that has given us the Bible so that we can understand and know. Yeah. I mean, the, Bi- the Bible does say that we are given prophecies so, so that we might believe. So if, you know, if you're struggling yeah. with your faith or if you're just wondering straight out, does God exist? Should I bother believing in mm-hmm. him? Have all these Christians gotten it wrong? Are they just a yeah. bunch of crackpots? Try some prophecy. Re- study, read some prophecy. That's what it's there for. Yeah. It's like think, God's calling card. Like, isn't here, that, check isn't this out. interesting? Mm-hmm. The, the, the majority of atheism you know, when when they're on this quest to disprove the Bible, they don't look to the Bible. That's right. They look to everything outside the Bible. They're uh-huh. like, oh, the Bible's wrong because of this, and the Bible's wrong because of that. And 
but it's like the experience that you have reading the Bible, and I'm just going to say this straight up, the experience that I have is, yeah, I heard all those arguments from atheists and, and whatnot of, of why the Bible's wrong and, and, and terrible, and then I read the Bible, and, and the Bible very specifically spoke to those arguments and refuted them. Yeah. And gave me a reason to believe, you know. Me and and you, Monica, we're not sitting here because we just, like, believe something that someone told us. It's like, no, the Bible gives us evidence. The Bible gives us um, real and tangible um, and observable things to hold on to. You know, because the, what the Bible describes is going to happen in these end times, you know, and, the, the, the you know, how people are going to be more hostile towards Christians. How are you possibly supposed to hold on to that without evidence you know without something really holding up your faith and that's that's what prophecy is it's like the real backbone the real like oh Mm. man i know that this stuff is real and i know that i i can hold on to my faith and i know that god is real because he's revealed things you know from the past that happen in the future well it's been very exciting to continue studying this book as we will be for the next few weeks uh stay tuned though this is now for daniel otega all creatures of our god king
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. He's able to keep us from stumbling. He is able. Distances come between everything that we hold dear. He is able to draw us into deeper life. He is able to cut away like a knife everything that keeps us from Him. Everything that keeps us from Him. Faith FM's breakfast show. You are here on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 FM. And we have come to our question of the day. Today is going to be answered by the lovely Lilla Lawson. 
You love it when I do that, don't you? No. When actually, I, it makes me cringe a little bit. La, 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 Man, that's terrible. I don't know why you don't like it. I hope it doesn't catch on. I hope it does. Everyone, if you're listening, next time you see Lawson, just roll your L's for a while. Anyways, what is our question of the day? Okay, question is, isn't Sunday the seventh day of the week? Oh, that's a good question. Well... I'm just going to give you the short answer to start off with. Go on. And and that is no. Sunday is not the seventh day. Well, not historically, anyway. Um, 50 years ago, every single calendar that existed on planet Earth put Saturday as the seventh day. Why? Yes. Because that was just... That was the international standard. Um it's the last day of the week. It makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, the reason, and this actually comes from the Roman Empire, the reason Sunday, you know, and the reason we have a weekend was historically Sunday was always the first day of the week. Um, but in Roman culture, Sunday was the day of, of worshipping the sun. So they would have that as the day off. Um, you've also, then you've got the mixture of, of Sunday, which is the 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 pagan worship day but then saturday as well which started off as the jewish worship day but then you get to a a point around 300 bc where one in ten people in the roman empire are you know uh sabbath keeping christians um you know then the the whole adoption of of christianity into the roman empire as catholicism happened um and thus you know started the weekend but then they eventually changed the, the the catholic church changed the the Sabbath day and the Christian worship day from Saturday to Sunday, um, but ultimately Saturday is the seventh day. Um, it has been historically, and the only contention about that has come up in the last fifty years, where the international standard of time and date changed the seventh day of the week from Saturday to Sunday. Does that explain why you can now get calendars and it always starts on Monday and ends mm-hmm. on Sunday? Yeah, that that explains why. Because essentially, yeah, it was a very very modern move by the 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 international standard of of time and date to just go. Okay, no, um, we're going to change it from Saturday to Sunday. Of course, we're talking about this because of yesterday's question, which was what is the Sabbath, and we you know came to the conclusion that the Sabbath is on the seventh day of the week, which is on Saturday, and it's a time that we worship God and we we rest in Him for creation and redemption and all those things. One of the big arguments that comes up against that is like oh how do we know then um if the 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 way keeping we've kept the same you know the week's been the same since the beginning of time and how we know that is because people have kept the sabbath from the beginning of time essentially the sabbath is the memorial of creation so if you want to go as far to say that creation doesn't exist well then you're really undermining the sabbath but if you you know if you say okay i believe that god created the the earth and i'm i'm a christian but i don't know about the sabbath thing because the week could have been changed the seventh day sabbath was you know introduced by god after the seventh day of creation and it's very 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 likely to assume even though it doesn't say explicitly um you know it's very easy to to assume and make the logical conclusion that that adam and eve kept the sabbath um because it was the day that God made to rest. Um, we know then that, you know, so the Adam and Eve, or there was, you know, God's line who kept the Sabbath, which went, you know, Adam and Eve then had, um, they had Cain and Abel originally, but none of those ended up being 
you know, the, the line of the Jews, the Messiah. So they had they had Seth. Um, and, you know, if you eventually get down the line of people who are worshipping God all the way up until Moses, this is like the one place where you could say, oh, you know, the whole Jewish nation weren't keeping the law of God and they completely forgot about God and they, they you know, maybe they lost it then. But, you know, around the time that the Exodus happened, which we put into roughly 1500 BC, um, you know, immediately after the Exodus, God comes down and establishes the Sabbath again and tells them, oh, yeah, but it's on the seventh day and this is when I want you to keep it. And since that point, um, people have been keeping the Sabbath ever since. You know, a group of people have has been keeping the Sabbath ever since then. Um, you know, in fact, an entire nation and, and the size of that nation have, has grown and, and shrunk. But literally since 1500 BC, we know that it's the same week because a group of people have been keeping the Sabbath on the same seventh day ever since. And it would be crazy to think that one day the entire world woke up and it was the wrong day and they all went, oh, yeah, that's it, right. It is basically impossible to change the day. It, mm-hmm. it is probably one of the single most hardest things to do to change the day, and that's because of the Sabbath. You know, you've got this group of people that keep the Sabbath on the seventh day every single time. So, yeah, that's basically my understanding. The seventh is the seventh day, and the seventh day is Saturday. Wonderful. If you have a question, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM.
welcome back. It's now the end of the Bible, bre- Bible breakfast show. Bible breakfast quiz. <laughs> the Faith FM breakfast show. You're here with Mon Lawson, of course. Uh, we have come to the time of our program where we like to give away stuff for free. I love giving away stuff for free. Do you like giving stuff away for free? Uh, isn't it just, it's the best yeah. thing ever. Yeah, like, it's definitely my Especially faith. when it's not your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, awesome. We give it away for free anyway. Yeah, true that, true that. Uh, we're going to give away a really great book. It's uh, Outline Studies of the Tabernacle. So it's all about the tabernacle. And this is really great because, you know, uh, we've been talking about Jesus, a high priest, you know, the Sabbath. All that stuff is covered in the, the basically the template of the tabernacle of the, of the, uh, of the sanctuary. It's a really great uh, book. Has illustrations, graphs, just everything really easy to understand. Um, so wonderful book for understanding more in depth. Uh, the I guess the Old Testament service mm. and how it actually points forward um, mm. to what is happening in heaven and what has happened or what will happen. So yeah, very mm. much closely related to what we've been talking about on our show the last few days. Yeah. And it's just awesome to like the sanctuary is so cool because it's one of the most prolific explanations of the plan of salvation. Like it's just. It's Absol- just awesome. Absolutely. We've got this book here, you know, you can really dig deep into that and understand it. So yep. it's epic. So Outline Studies of the Tabernacle by Ada R. Habishon. Give us a call now if you would like a copy. We only have the one copy of this book. Uh, our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Be the first person through. You can grab this book. Of course, you can text. If you get your text in first, you can get it as well. 0491 Call us up. Talk to Mark our producer and uh, she'll post that out to you for free thank you so much for tuning in we love having you guys along for the show and of course we'll be back tomorrow morning after the seven o'clock news if you would like to learn more about the bible if you would like to study in a group or by yourself or even just online give us a call we can set you up with some bible studies free of charge our number again is 1-800-FAITH-FM it's 1-800-324-843 you have a blessed day